25 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to They are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the west right tight. That's left. 372 wide sticks. He's The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. All right, let's go. Hour two of the show off and running on this Tuesday with you. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Farm Bureau Studio. Go with the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau Insurance. Give them a chance if you haven't already. It's just great to you know know that somebody right there in your hometown, your home community, is who you are trusting with all of your insurance. Okay, somebody you know, somebody you can see them. You can go down there and knock on their door, or you can wait. You'll see them at church on Sunday morning. It's not somebody three states over, not somebody who's aloof. They're your hometown heroes, great people at Farm Bureau. Also, we stay connected to you here on the show because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi, C Spire, where they are customer-inspired. All right, hit me up on the text. Call me on the phone. I'll give you those numbers. Country Please and text line 885-ESPN. That's a 601 number, 885-ESPN. Joey texted me, and he said, is Dak still a tight end? Asking for a friend. Yeah, I, I tell you, it's amazing. Um, for everything the guy has accomplished, I don't know that there's anybody that's more scrutinized. And I think, sure, some of it comes along with being the quarterback of the Cowboys. I mean, Romo is pretty scrutinized. They all have been. It's like playing for the Yankees. You know, you're going to be fairly scrutinized if you're the quarterback for the Cowboys. But I think a lot of it with Dak seems to go overboard. I don't know that all of it is fair, but whatever. He's going to get paid. It'll be okay. It'll be all right. Just It's coming a day we can just kind of check the balance and everything will feel better. <laughs> is that how that works? That's how I imagine it. Anyway, I don't know from experience, but it is how I imagine it. Yeah, I think it was Cowherd said he was a tight end. Then he goes and wins rookie of the year. And he's been throwing the ball better than the first round picks. He just hasn't been paid like him yet. He's going to get paid like him. It's a matter of time. But he's thrown him. He's outplayed him. He's outplayed the first round picks that went ahead of him. And there's really no measure otherwise. I mean, find me a measurement. You could say they've outplayed him. Well, they went to the Super Bowl. Yeah, well, one of them got hurt. And the other one did get there, but, I mean, you crediting him? I mean, he got there. And he and by the way, the other one, golf doesn't get to a Super Bowl if the officials do what they're supposed to do in New Orleans. Did I just open that wound? I mean, really. But it's a fact. Maybe it's opening an old wound and you're like as diehard's Louvier somewhere rolling his eyes right now. That's fine. But it's a fact. That ain't. That's not debatable. What I said is a sure enough fact. So, uh, yeah, you know, the cowherds of the world have just been wrong about him, mostly. They've just mostly 
been wrong. And it, the reason is there's because most, not all, but most of the talking heads in the sports media world, they simply can't get past labels. They can't do it. They live according to labels, like a guy on a diet, and I've been there. I've been looking at every label and every package of everything that's gone in my mouth for I don't know how long now, and it's resulted in a 40-pound loss, but it's not fun, okay? And the, and there are some things that don't have a label. Well, food's different than people, okay? And most talking heads in sports media simply can't deal with, with reality if it is different than what the label told them. What do you mean by that, Matt? Well, what I mean is Dak was not a quote-unquote first-round pick, first overall. He's a fourth-round pick. And from day one, they just have not been able to get past it. They just can't do it. And, And to show you how flimsy... The media world can be. They all glorify the fact that Tom Brady was a sixth round pick. Yeah, we do now because Tom Brady's just continued to win championships with Bill Belichick to the point that everybody's just had to give up. <laughs> you just had to give up on the criticism. Just quit. You know, and the kinds of numbers and things that Dak put up are comparable to a lot of great quarterbacks early in their careers. The problem is he didn't have any championships because you know what? The fact is he's at a, an organization that is not a championship organization. You tell me this, and then I'm going to parlay this same dynamic over to the college game because i got questions for you college football fans, and I, I don't know that I know the answers. And I'm going to see if you know. But you, you tell me if I am – way off the mark here. We're not talking about money, okay, being the priority, if money is the priority. You can make a, you know, $40 million anywhere in the NFL. They all have money. They can all pay you. Um, We're not talking about being loyal to the team that drafted you. If I were to strictly say, if Dak Prescott's, priority, number one priority is to win a Super Bowl. If that's the only thing he cares about, not money, not loyalty, not playing for the team you grew up rooting for, if Dak Prescott's number one single solitary priority is winning a Super Bowl, he would have a better chance of doing that in New Orleans, if he could get there after Drew Brees is done. He would have a better chance of doing that if he could become a free agent and go to Pittsburgh. He would have a better chance of doing that. To hang on a year, Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt and get himself traded to San Francisco. Are any of those things I said wrong? What about this one? Let's go to the fourth one. If Dak Prescott's single solitary objective is to win a Super Bowl, he'd be better off trying to get to New England before Bill Belichick is done. 
Is any of that untrue? Is any of it false? They're all true. I'll say it again. Drew Brees got one year left. Dak Prescott's got a better chance of winning a Super Bowl. Better chance. I'm not saying he doesn't have any chance in, in, in Dallas. I'm saying he'd have a better chance. If he got out of Dallas after one year somehow, somehow maybe went into free agency something, and took over after Drew Brees left New Orleans, and Sean Payton's still there and all the decision makers. Anyway, you, you call me crazy. Okay, so speaking of quarterbacks, what about this year's SEC quarterbacks? What do you think about them? I want to know what you think. Y'all can text me, 885-ESPN. Country, please, and text line, 885-ESPN. Or call me on the Divinity phone, Divinity Equipment, Madison and Jackson. Is Miles Brennan going to be the incumbent and take over for Joe Burrow? I didn't get to see Miles Brennan play at uh, St. Stanislaus here in Mississippi uh, in high school. I got to meet him once. It was at a banquet dinner for the Mr. Football winners in the state of Mississippi. The weekend, or maybe it was the weekend before, the championship games that year that were played at Davis Wade Stadium in Starkville. I was the MC for that event. The MHSAA put it on, and they uh, had me come in and MC that night. The guest or, or the featured speaker was Deuce McAllister, and all of the Mr. Football winners were seated at the table up there beside us. And it uh, the two that stand out that I remember the most were uh, Cam Akers from Clinton and Miles Brennan from St. Stan. And they were sitting there next to each other. Right, one's in the NFL, and now one's trying to replace a Heisman Trophy winner, and they were just high school kids then, both nice kids. So I've met him. I never did get to see him play in high school. For those that did, do you think Miles Brennan is the heir apparent and takes over where Joe Burrow left off? Hasn't played much. There there will be some competition, sure. Burrow, I mean, it was incredible. Burrow beat seven top ten teams, went 76% completion, 5,600 yards, 60 touchdowns and six interceptions. (laughs) It's just incredible. We've never seen anything like that. And is it Miles Brennan's job and he's going to take over for LSU? Well, let me ask you a question. Let's illustrate what Miles Brennan is up against. Now, I'm going to ask you a question and see if you know the answer. Who was the quarterback at Florida after Tim Tebow? Huh? We got all these Gator fans who listen to the show. Every now and then we get a call from Gator Greg. Every now and then we get a text from them. Who was the who was the quarterback? After Tim Tebow at Florida. You don't know, do you? Let me ask you another one. Who was the quarterback at Auburn after Cam Newton 
Anybody know? Name them. Who was a quarterback at, now this is a whole different kind of example, going way back. Who was a quarterback at Tennessee after Peyton Manning? So y'all could get that one because Peyton Manning didn't win a national championship at Tennessee, but the guy who replaced him after Peyton graduated did. That was T. Martin. I mean, we could go through this list. Now, Eli Manning didn't win a Heisman at Ole Miss, but he's the best they've ever had. Who was the quarterback who had the job of taking over after Eli Manning graduated? See, I think what I'm illustrating to you here is just exactly like the odds that are against Miles Brennan. It's tough. When that team and that program loses what it lost at LSU, and that team and that program loses Joe Burrow, and you got to be the next guy, it is a tough position to be in. You know, the coaching equivalent, right, of Ray Perkins taking over for Bear Bryant at Alabama, it's tough to be the next guy. That's what Miles Brennan is up against at LSU. By the way, at Florida – the quarterback who took over as the starter when Tim Tebow graduated was a kid named John Brantley. Y'all remember John Brantley? And he did. He started in 2010, but didn't didn't stay the starter in 2011. Jacoby Brissett played some, transferred out. Jeff Driscoll played some, transferred out. Tyler Murphy, transferred. Skyler Morningwig, transferred. Treon Harris, transferred. And then Will Greer, in 2015, kicked out of school because of PEDs. In the five seasons after Tim Tebow won a Heisman at Florida and did what he did, all-timer, John Brantley, Jacoby Brissett, Jeff Driscoll, Tyler Murphy, Skyler Morningweg, Treon Harris, and Will Greer, and not a one of them finished their career at Florida. Not one. That's what he's up against. Auburn. Who was the quarterback at Auburn after Cam Newton? Yeah, and Tiger David, you're right. I did ask that. Who was the quarterback after Peyton Manning? Yeah, it was T. Martin. But see, Peyton Manning didn't win a national championship. T. Martin did in his one his first year after it. War Eagle Rich on the Country Pleasing Text Line, 885-ESPN. Barrett Trotter and Clint Mosley. Bingo. Cam Newton there in 2010. Who had the duty of replacing him at Auburn? Barrett Trotter, Clint Mosley, two guys in the next year. 2012, you had Kyle Frazier and Jonathan Wallace. And then Nick Marshall came along had success. But you had four guys try to be the quarterback at Auburn between Cam Newton and Nick Marshall, who only a diehard Auburn fan even remembers. It's tough now. What Miles Brennan is up against right now at LSU and about to be up against, it is uh, underrated right now out here in the media just how tough the job is. Chris on the Divinity Equipment phone line. Chris. Thanks for calling, man. What's up? I was gonna say that it was that uh, Jamie Johnson boy, but that was uh, that was after Nick Marshall, wasn't it? 
That's right. Jeremy Johnson, who, the big, yeah, tall, good-looking athlete yeah. who just yeah, couldn't make it work. It was the next, the next Cam Newton. Right. And now, he, I have no clue he just was I have no clue. I have no clue about who was after Tim Tebow because I, I don't. Florida's irrelevant to me. So. Well, and like I said, anyway. the the list the list of quarterbacks who tried to be the Florida quarterback after Tim Tebow and all of them transferred, it is mind-blowing. The first one was a guy named uh, uh, Brantley. Uh, we looked up his name there, um, Chris. It was a guy named John Brantley who was the starter in 2010, the year after Tebow left. He got benched in 2011. They started playing Jacoby Brissett, who, was, as we know, is a great talent, but he didn't stay there. But all the guys that tried to beat Florida's quarterback after Tebow all transferred. Brantley, Brissett, Driscoll, Tyler Murphy, Scotter Morningweg, Treon Harris, and then Will Greer. In the next five years after Tebow, you had like seven guys all play a little QB for Florida and all transferred out. And you know why they transferred? Every single one of them? Because they weren't Tebow. So, um, which... Which let me see if you can answer this. Which NFL quarterback used to be on the Mississippi State roster besides Dak Prescott? Okay, which NFL quarter quarterback? He, not, he he was not playing QB at Mississippi State. He was there <laughs> when Dan came. There when Dan came. I don't know. Give it to me. Ryan Tannehill. Chris, I had no idea there was any connection between Ryan Tannehill and Mississippi State. He was on the team, and they were trying to make him a wide receiver under Sylvester Groom, and he transferred out after they fired Groom, and he became a quarterback. And went to he went to Texas A and M and started playing as a quarterback. Now, now I hold on a minute. My, I'm telling you, look it up. All right, I'm looking at I could right be wrong, there. but I promise you there was a kid. I'm pretty sure it was Ryan Tannehill. There was a kid <laughs> named Tannehill on Mississippi State's roster. And they were trying to – he was a QB, and they were trying to make him a, a wide receiver. Well, that wasn't him. It must have been a different one, but it wasn't him. You sure? Yeah, I'm sure. Okay. Yeah, I'm certain it wasn't Ryan Tannehill. Yeah. Uh, Tannehill, that that guy, you're right. Now that in that that Ryan Tannehill, he began his career as a receiver at Texas A&M, but his first year in college was 2007. He redshirted at A&M and and then played and played and played. So yeah, there's that's we're crossing the streams as they said on Ghostbusters to a different Tannehill. That's all. Hey Chris, I appreciate the call, man. Thank you. You have a great day, and I'll talk to you later. And see ya. All right. See ya. Tiger David on the Country Pleasing Text says best receivers in college football. Uh, doesn't have to do it by himself. You talking about at LSU, Miles Brennan? Look, I, I this is not at all, David, understand this. Please understand this. That's why I prefaced by saying I didn't get to see Miles Brennan play in high school. Um, I would have to pull it up on YouTube to see the snaps that he has gotten as a backup quarterback at LSU, and I know he played a little bit. 
and you know best receivers in college football okay yeah i mean you know best let's see uh david uh, call me on the uh, divini phone but give me about four minutes the the music is about to start and so if you want to call me jump in here for the next segment in about four minutes the number is uh, it's a 601 number it's 995-1059 601 number 995-1059 as in 1059 uh the zone um i see where you you typed it there but you got a number off okay i'm sending it to you um but yeah feel free to give a call my thing is you know lsu is certainly capable of reloading they're capable but that doesn't mean they have and we go well best receivers in college football Okay, but last year they had the best receivers in college football and the best, you know, one of the best running backs and the hands-down, far-and-away best quarterback and one of the best assistant coaches in the country who is no longer there. And maybe there's remnants and there's leftover and all, but people said this same kind of stuff when others took over, and that's why I brought up these other examples. You just can't forget how difficult it is to replace a a one- or two-year legend like what all these others tried to do at Florida post-Tebow, at Auburn post-Cam Newton. You know? Who were the guys? Name them. The quarterbacks at Ole Miss after Eli Manning. Name them. They had good players then, too. But it's just not the same. Miles Brennan has a tremendous uphill battle in front of him. We'll pull for him, but it's going to be tough. Y'all stick around. Live in the Farm Bureau studio, Farm Bureau, go with the home team. I'm Matt. Beaver is here. Thank you for tuning in and being a part of it also. We just got the whole group together. You can be a part of the show. You can uh, text me on the Country Pleasing text line at 885-ESPN. That's a 601 number, 885-ESPN. Text away. And you can call me on the Divinity phone, Divinity Equipment, Madison & Jackson. It's 995-1059. All those are 601 numbers. What about other quarterbacks? Now, not just life after Burrow at LSU, which we've certainly chronicled, but what about others? Okay, new quarterbacks around here. Will you have a new one at Ole Miss? Will it work for K.J. Costello at Mississippi State? And look, man, they're replacing them at Georgia and at Alabama. (laughs) It's a bunch of newness in the SEC. Let's go to the phone line first of any equipment phone. Divinity Equipment, Highway 51, Madison, Spring Ridge Road in Jackson. Your Kubota dealer, all kinds of Kubota equipment at Divinity Equipment. They've been doing it better longer than anybody else. The oldest Kubota dealer in the United States of America. Don, thanks for calling. What's up? Hey, man, I just wanted to say hi to you. And well, hi. Uh, I just wanted to say I remember, yeah, I remember when you used to play. Y'all had a really good team that year, but you know what? Every time I hear that opening um, 
you know, little thing of your before your show comes on. I hear um, um, uh, Jack Crystal, you know, calling the game. It brings me back yeah. to when I was eight years old, and I used to. I, I was in a place where I didn't have a radio, but someone else did, and I was listening to a, a Mississippi State game, and I've been a Mississippi State fan ever since just because I was listening to Jack Crystal. Yeah. I, yeah, really, I love hearing I his really voice every him. day on that open. I'm with you on that. Yeah, I, I really do. I just It brings back so many memories of, you know, when Marty McDowell was there and, and John Bond and, you know, all those great guys. You know, it just brings back a whole lot of good memories. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I appreciate the kind words. We 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 all need a little more Jack Crystal, for sure. Yeah, we really do. I I really do miss him. I I appreciate it, Mike. Yeah, call me anytime. Thanks, Don. Every now and then we hear from somebody. They just, you know, um, you, you do. Uh, you listen to the show, the open that you hear at the beginning of each hour. It has a little Jack Crystal in there, and it has a little Jerry Clower in there, and those voices of the folks from the past. It it takes us back. And that's what it does. It sure does. All right. Um, the quarterback conversation. Who's going to replace Shea Patterson at Michigan? Who's replacing Tua at Alabama? Is it going to be Mac Jones or is it going to be that new guy? Right? Bryce Young. Yeah, look. Bryce Young, all you can look at is high school highlights because that's what he did. It's high school in California. But if you watch him. The only difference between him and Tua is he's right-handed. <laughs> They're the same size, and he's like a right-handed Tua. All right. K.J. Costello, Mississippi State, right? Is it going to work? Is it going to take off? Is it going to take off in year one? Back in 2018, Costello showed what he's made of. You know, he's played a bunch of ball games through a ton of passes, um, kind of a mixed offense. At times they would look like they're in the spread at Stanford, but at other times he would be under center. But in 2018, so two years ago at Stanford, he throws for 3,540 yards and 29 touchdowns. Okay, coming into an offense that has produced eye-popping numbers in the past game, like for Gardner Minshew. And like last year at Washington State, Anthony Gordon at Washington State last year Threw for 5,579 yards and 48 touchdowns. It's not Joe Burrow numbers, but doggone, it's close. Really, at Washington State. You know, so it's a huge question. New guy there at State. And will you have a new one at Ole Miss? I don't know. I, it seems to me that an athlete and a leader like John Rice Plumley is something you can build around. You know, it's got to work. I just have a feeling they're going to make it work. Jason and Flagstaff waiting on the Divinity Equipment phone line, Divinity Equipment Madison and in Jackson. What's up, Jason? I just had a question about uh, all those quarterbacks after Tim Tebow. Are, are we sure that they transferred because they weren't Tim Tebow or whether they transferred because Dan Mullen was no longer there and even Urban Meyer couldn't get anything out of anybody that was left? I, don't know. I, I can't yeah. remember. I'm, I'm almost certain. That it was one of the guys you just mentioned. That, well, he was a five-star pro-style guy, and Brantley. You can't yep. you can't tell me that Mullen wouldn't have figured out a way to use that guy. Nobody else knew how to use him. They were just lost. Well, look, Jason. Here's the thing, Jason. It was not a talent issue at all. With yeah. 
because, okay, so I mentioned John, after Tebow left after the end of the 09 season at Florida, the next year, 2010, it was John Brantley who had been Tebow's yeah. backup. He he didn't start the whole year in 2011, two years after Tebow. That's when we started to see Jacoby Brissett play for Florida. Yeah. Well, we know the Jacoby Brissett story. He goes to NC State, gets himself drafted in the yeah. second round by the Patriots. Jeff Driscoll was after Jacoby yeah. Brissett. He was yeah. there for two, three years, but eventually transferred to La Tech. But we know that Driscoll was like a sixth-round draft pick, and he's been a backup yeah. in the NFL ever since. Yeah. The, the guys are super talented. Will Greer, I mentioned Will Greer was yeah. at Florida in that first five years after Tebow. We know his story. Okay, he upset that really good Ole Miss team that night throwing the ball at Florida, and you're like, who is this guy? Pretty soon he's kicked yeah. off because of PEDs, but he winds up at West Virginia, and now yeah. he's in the NFL. So you're right. There has been no shortage of talented players at quarterback yeah. post-Tebow at Florida. Yeah. You're, But it's a great point. If – if you'd had a Dan Mullen quarterback coach there to hold that thing steady, those yeah. guys probably have a different story. You're right. Yeah. I think you could probably ditto that for LSU, too. If you look back before, um, well, I can't remember, Burroughs, they've had so many guys down there that should have been in the Heisman conversations and they weren't because of less miles. And What was that guy's name? Uh, Paraloo? Yeah, right. There is no way that guy is in the top four or five Heisman candidate. If anybody else is down there, it keeps him out of trouble and keeps him on the field. Right. That'd be early 2000s. Um, You know, Mettenberger, you think about a big, tall thrower like Zach Mettenberger, because when he was at LSU, he had Jarvis Landry on one side and Odell Beckham Jr. on the other. (laughs) Even old Matt Flynn. Didn't he show out for the Packers at the end of one year when they were trying to rent oh, for Rodgers? That, that was an incredible story. He didn't. I mean, that's an incredible story about Matt Flynn because, man, he he played basically one game as a backup and played yeah. so well in that one game in the NFL, it landed yeah. in like a $30 million contract uh, with the Seahawks or somebody yeah. just off one good ball game. Really, it was crazy. Yeah, I remember that. I remember him, they yeah. tried him out there for the preseason the next year, and it just wasn't the same. But the guy had talent, yeah. and they just didn't use him at LSU. Yeah. Uh, Jamarcus well, Russell right. was the same way. Yeah, Jamarcus Russell. Did, did Russell win the Heisman at LSU, or did somebody else? I don't know if he won. I don't know if he won the Heisman or not, but I know he was the first overall pick, I think, one year because right, of how he good he should have been, and LSU didn't use him very well either. Yeah. Anyway, I'll get off hey, here. Y'all have a good day. All right, appreciate the call. Thanks, Jason. Okay. Uh, Mad Mail person said, well, I can tell you the worst quarterback at Florida was Jesse Palmer. You know, the thing about that is, you know, Mail person, I think about Jesse Palmer, and that's what I think of. I, I think of the announcer and the uh, the pretty boy. But in reality, I mean, he played for Spurrier. I don't know what his numbers were. But didn't he get it? He got himself drafted, okay, and then hung around on an NFL team for a while. Wasn't he a backup for Eli with the Giants? So he had to be pretty good. (laughs) 
you know, in comparison to all the rest of us. I mean, the guy had to be pretty good. But you're right. The the perception of Palmer is not, I don't know, it's just not as a quarterback. It's not for me anyway. Um, War Eagle Rich says Russell Wilson took Matt Flynn's job. And, I mean, that makes sense. He said he took his job, but they sure did pay him a lot of money to, to do nothing for one year. And, and, again, it was based off one game as a backup where he, he pops up in there and just played great in that one particular game. I was running down some of the quarterback questions in the SEC. What about John Rice Plumley at uh, Ole Miss? So you look at it. They make a comparison to what Lane Kiffin was able to do with uh, guys like Jalen Hurts and Blake Sims at Alabama. Lane Kiffin coached those guys. Remember that? 2014, wasn't, wasn't wasn't Kiffin at Alabama in 2014 when Blake Sims set like a passing record for Alabama until, I don't know, if Blake Sims may still own that record. He coached Jalen Hurts. What are both those guys? Fast. Runners. Not huge. Neither of them. Hurts was the SEC player of the year. Now, you're talking about Alabama teams with NFL offensive linemen in front of him, NFL receivers out on the edge. But he's done it before with a similar type player. What the, he's going to have at Ole Miss and Plumlee. I, I think that's an interesting point. I mean, if Lane Kiffin takes Plumlee, that type of athlete, and makes him a very successful quarterback in that offense, it ain't going to be the first time he's done it. That's all we're saying about it. I'll get to some more of your texts and calls and all that stuff, and we'll wrap it up next here in the Farm Bureau studio. I'm Matt. Stay with me. All right, let's go. Rolling along with you here on this Tuesday. little time with you left. We're not done yet. Time for you to get your thoughts in on the Divinity phone, 995-1059. Text me on the Country Pleasing text line. It's 885-ESPN. It's a 601 number. Country Pleasing Sausage, the best, hands down, it ain't close. I'm using the word ain't a lot today, and that's okay. My homecoming queen would be very disappointed in me, but Sometimes we just have to say ain't for effect. Um, but it's the best. It's not close. Country, please, in text line, 885-ESPN. So we got a reminder from an unnamed texter that Troy Smith won the Heisman over Jamarcus Russell in 2006. Troy Smith, the uh, Ohio State quarterback, Heisman winner. True Maroon said, it's easy to set records when you're surrounded by first-round receivers. Now, True Maroon, was that in reference to Blake Sims at Alabama? I'd have to go back and look. I don't know their record book. I just know that at one time he was the all-time, I think, single-season passing leader. Okay, so you were talking about Sims. That's it. You know, Blake Sims, it really is, again, it's another underrated storyline out there in terms of us all making sure we're aware just how incredible that was, what they did with him, and what a ball player he was. A guy who recruited as a running back, 
and then moves over to quarterback, becomes the starter. You look at what they did with him as the starter there at Alabama, the way he threw the ball, the way he played. Immediately post-Alabama career, setting a passing record for them as a school, he's right back into running back mode. That's the only way teams might have been interested in, in, in him in the NFL and then obviously did not become an NFL running back. I think played some running back on a, a different pro team or two in different leagues. I don't know. You'd have to look all that up. But it really was incredible what they did with him. Now, the Jalen Hurts thing is different. Hurts is a quarterback, proved it, and proved by the fact that the Eagles went up there and drafted him pretty highly to come in and be Carson Wentz backup in Philadelphia. And Hurts just to me strikes me as you know, absolutely what you want in an NFL backup quarterback, and that is a great teammate, great in the locker room, great worker, very smart, very going to be very dependable. When he does play, he will be a little different than the starter in that there's some other things that other teams are going to have to prepare for. And if Wentz, who's been hurt a lot, gets hurt again, whoever's next on their schedule is all of a sudden going to go, okay, I mean, this cat can run. They may play a little different with him. So, you know, I think it's a good draft pick for them. Tyler is backing up my sentiments on uh, Country Pleasing Sausage. He said, it's not close. Had their pepper jack and green onion sausage this weekend, the best I've had. That is some of my favorite, hands down. I agree with you, Tyler. True Maroon says, we'll see with two of the Dolphins don't have first-round wide receivers. The NFL is a whole different animal, isn't it? I just know this. Outside of the injuries, let's don't get into, let's don't, I'm not going to, you know, shade my my comments here about Tua with his injuries. That's reality. Whether he's on the field, longevity, all that kind of stuff, you know, that it's important long term. I just know this about Tua. Don't think I've seen anybody in college football at the time I saw it when he came along, freshman and sophomore. I don't think I'd ever seen anybody in college football do a better job of getting the ball out on time. And when I say on time, I mean split time. I'm talking quicker and anticipating throws quicker than just everybody else you'd see in college football. The way Tua did. It was like the, it was a different level. It was a different type of ability. A different type of anticipation and timing than I had seen out of other quarterbacks in college football. And then you threw in there the accuracy, especially the accuracy on a deep ball that he had early. The accuracy and the ability to trust those receivers, put it out there where they could run under it. Uh, Drew Maroon, go watch some of the highlight films on YouTube of Mac Jones, who very well could be Alabama's starting quarterback this year. What you're going to see in last year when Mac Jones took over for Tua Tagovailoa, and in other times when he was the backup, he completed a lot of passes, a lot of them down the field. But you also saw a lot of underthrows on deep balls. That's one thing he's going to have to get better at. They had such great receivers; a lot of them worked out. They'd come back, catch the ball, or at least make a play and keep it from being an interception. But frankly, you never saw that kind of thing from Tua. Just once or twice a year from Tua, you'd see him maybe hang on just a little too long, let it go a little too late, 
Therefore, it was slightly underthrown at the end, but for the most part, he didn't do that stuff. Um, I just think he's incredible. I, I think he anticipates stuff quicker, faster, more accurately than most quarterbacks. Now, do I think the injury thing is going to affect him long term? Yes. For me, with Tua in Miami, it's not a matter of if that hip injury is going to rear its ugly head and affect it his playing time down the road it's just a matter of when does it happen in year one or year two you go take a beating and get hit the way you're going to get hit in the nfl it's coming and i think they knew that ahead of time i think they knew that taking him i just think they knew even if you can draft this kid and his ability and get him on the field for 10 get 12 games out of 16 this year it's worth it and I agree with them. If that was their thinking in Miami, then I agree with them on that idea. I think it is worth it. Anyway, I love talking quarterbacks. And, you know, all the college stuff is really going to pick up. I, I want to um, throw a couple of uh, stories in your lap before we say goodbye here today on this Tuesday. Uh, I like good news. We need some more of it. This is a neat thing. A nod. It's somebody doing something. Now, you know, I'm not getting into the debate whether a multimillionaire could do more. I'm just glad that he's doing something. In this case, it's David Price, the uh, pitcher for the Dodgers. You know, he's a former Vanderbilt pitcher, pitched for the Red Sox. Now he's with the Dodgers. And he hasn't thrown a pitch for him yet. He's just, you know, he's a brand-new Dodger. We don't have any idea if they're going to play this year or not. And we all focus on whether or not Major League Baseball is coming back. What about minor league baseball? You imagine being like a broke minor leaguer. They're all broke outside of a few high draft picks who got signing bonuses. But all the rest of them are broke. I just thought this was a neat thing. David Price is giving each Dodgers minor league player who's not on the Dodgers 40-man roster, he's he himself is giving every one of them a thousand dollars a month, uh, or, or for the month of June, a thousand dollars for this month of June. So, it really is incredibly generous, and it's this—I don't know—you know—he was a first rounder. David Price didn't spend much time in the minor leagues, but he's obviously got teammates and friends who have and do, and all this money in his pocket because of his moves and. You know, an obvious success on the mound in the majors and has the money to do it. Giving them every minor leaguer in the Dodgers organization a thousand bucks this month to live off of, to get around, to make ends meet somehow. What a great thing. You know, again, I don't know how many there are, how many that adds up to. The other part of the story was, see, the Dodgers had already said that they were going to continue making these $400 a week payments to their minor leaguers. You and I know that's not much. Now, you think about a former, I mean, I'm sorry, think about this. Let's say there's a former SEC player in the Dodgers organization. It was not a huge draft pick, but is good enough, and maybe someday is going to work his way up to the majors. But right now he's living off 400 bucks a week, you know, 400 bucks a week from the team. That's just not much. It's something, though. You can live off of it, but it's not much. 
but every one of them now is going to get a check of a thousand bucks from David Price, one of the big league guys in that organization. And I just think it's a it's a heck of a nod. Now, guys like David Price and others who are multimillionaires in Major League Baseball can they and their owners can do a better job of being self-aware and understanding what's going to happen to their sport if they don't get it going. If these other sports get going and baseball doesn't, I didn't get to hear Chris Brooks's rant on it. I heard him mention it. Beaver, I know we have like one minute left. Can you kind of tell me what the gist of Chris's thoughts were about this Major League Baseball standoff? Uh, it's just, if I remember correctly, basically he just said it's nonsense. Yeah, it's, it's you know, millionaires and billionaires can't can't get along, can't get along, can't figure it out. You know, I'll just say this: um, I don't want to be over dramatic, but baseball struggling as it is has already given up top billing in this country to the NFL. If the NBA and the NFL come back before baseball gets back, then 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 that sport. Is a that major professional sport is officially on the dying list, and I hate to say it. Now, baseball—it's not going to go anywhere. I'm just saying it'll do more damage than the strike did in '94. Their numbers, their revenue, everything—it's going to go so far down the tube if they let these other sports come back first, and if they don't realize it, it's their own fault. It's just the truth. Glad to have a good news story in there, though, before I got in on that stuff. All right, (laughs) we'll do it again tomorrow. Farm Bureau Studios, same time, same place. See you then. See you.